Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. This podcast is recorded on the stolen lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders past and present. I extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples listening here today. Sovereignty was never ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Welcome to Reclaim Me. I'm your host, Madeline Heather. Reclaim Me is a true crime podcast told by those at the centre of those crimes, the victim survivors. The general public often hears stories of victim survivors through the lenses of perpetrators or the media, and we're changing that narrative here. These interviews are raw and honest, so a word of warning is necessary as discussion and topics may be triggering or distressing for some listeners, so please use your discretion. If you need help or support, please see the suggested resources in the show notes of this episode or contact your local crisis service. Hello, fam, and welcome back to part two with Josh Burns. Now, if you haven't listened to last week's episode or part one, please head back and listen to that because we pick up our conversation right where we left off. Now, before we get stuck back into our conversation for part two, I just wanted to do two more reminders. One of them is to please go and join the cheer squad, our Patreon. So if you can or you have the means to, please join it over there. There will be cool things coming as well. But for now, it is it is just to help and support the podcast, continue to do what I do, to continue to work um, as hard as I do on all of this stuff. It, it, it really is. It does mean the absolute world. So thank you so much to everybody who has subscribed already. And if you haven't and you can't, that's completely fine. But if you want to, then that would be the best Christmas present ever for me. So thank you so much. And again, when we're talking about this case specifically as well, being a child sexual abuse related case and being a case against a child in the ACT or somebody coming from the ACT as well, it is so important that we do not forget to mention the Your Reference Ain't Relevant campaign. Now, Harry and Jared have been leading the Your Reference Ain't Relevant campaign and their aim is to end character references being used for child sex offenders that have been found guilty in the ACT. So head to the show notes of this episode. There is a link there. And if you are an ACT or Australian Capital Territory resident, you can sign that petition. If you're not a resident of the ACT and you know one, then send it across because the more signatures, the better. So again, yes, in the show notes of this episode, those links are available to you there. Now, Without any further delay, let's jump straight back in where we left off with Josh for part two. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. 
Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah. Yep. There's there's just so much to be said about the comments that I don't think people realize that they say sometimes about, you know, um, oh, look at you now, like you're such a resilient person and stuff like that. And you know what? I, I sit there I sit here and I say, Yes, I'm I'm a resilient person over it because of a lot of what I've been through and a lot of a lot of that. Yes, I'm a person that I feel like uh has a lot to to a lot of knowledge to give, a lot to educate, to help somebody else and stuff like. But holy fuck, fuck you for making me get there! Like that is a huge, like, you know, up yours. Like you know, um, for again, like you said, for the, the choices that they make. Like that's one of the things that I talk about. It's one of the things I've said. I think on on different podcasts and sort of different writings and stuff that I've done is that. It's something that I have acknowledged is that there is there was a conscious choice that was made, not just once, not just twice, but so like, you know, I'd say it was dozens, dozens of times, um, over and over and over again about, um, you know, and and like you say, the intelligence, the the consciousness to be able to uh, hide it in a way that wouldn't allow people to question it, or if they did question it it would be almost like a passing thought. It's like, no, surely not. Um, you know, and, and going back to the fact of the matter, if this person was in this position because people chose, again, not to do anything, um, you know, when it was highlighted to them, when it was, there was there's evidence, you know, that there was letters written to the bishop to say, 
this you might want to watch this guy. You know, there's there's something going on here. There's something happening here, um, and it's not just a suggestion. It's not just hearsay. Um, there's a medical report to say this this child has been medically reviewed, and there are uh, injuries consistent with um, being interfered with. Um, so you know, when you sort of got that evidence, and you can sort of you can see that. Again, people have chose not to do anything, uh, and I've ended up in the situation that I've ended up in. Um, it's quite, uh, it's quite difficult for me not to be extremely, um, um, you know, distasteful and disdainful against organised religion. You know, when it's when it's come to that, like I know you said, you know, not a religious person. I definitely wouldn't say that I'm a religious person at all. Um, so you know, yeah. Yes, just get to the point where, you know, um, I don't think people realise that they're doing it, but um, there's a lot that can be said with the enablement that comes with those off-the-cuff remarks about the sort of, uh, you know, just allowing people to just go about their business. It's like, well, don't, you know, don't talk about that, you know. Like I've, I've t- I know that, you know, Kelsey has started discussions with people and, They've said to her, you know, oh, yeah, there's a lot of stories about him back in the day and stuff, but, oh, no, I don't want to talk about that. It's like, why not? Why don't you want to talk about that? It's the whole reason why people can get away with what they get away with is because people want to stay silent because it's too uncomfortable for people to have these conversations. And you know what? I'm sick and tired of people feeling like they just don't want to be uncomfortable when you have people like you and I that have been through such traumatic events. Um, it's it's time to, time to be open. It's time to be... Um, you know, you know what? You can be a little bit uncomfortable while I'm unable to have my my option to 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 have my story heard. So, yeah, silence yeah. only colludes with the offender, yeah. and nothing's as uncomfortable as the abuse was itself. So, to kind of get back on chronology, do you mind me? Where were you? So, like the offense is like it's been going on for a really long time. Eventually, it tapers off or stops. Where are you in your life? I guess between that stopping and and there being some action was there the notification or the the knowledge of his previous offending that came to fruition first or was there action taken on behalf of yourself that led to the discovery of that information so i guess it, it sort of tapered off when um when i was about 19 um and it was about 2006 and i joined the the adf uh, I went over and I started to, you know, I joined the ADF and uh, it required me to be uh, away from the mid-north coast. Obviously, I had to move. I had to move for my basic training. I did my basic training down in Edinburgh, uh, down in Adelaide. Um, and then I did my IETs, um, you know, and, and I think your listeners and yourself might have uh, had Jordan explain um, some of this <laughs> in the last session. So, um, uh, yeah, IETs at Bloomtown, near Newcastle. Um, so yeah, obviously it required me to move away for that. And that's where it sort of started to taper off. It didn't end completely because I think during my training, there were times there were weekends where he would drive all the way to Newcastle to come pick me up and then take me home, um, where he would abuse me. Uh, he would justify this by saying, oh, you know, like you can make sure you still have that link with your family and stuff. Like your, your nan and pop miss you and stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll step out. I'll put myself out and I'll come and I'll come and, and drive and, and we can sort of, you know, that's what I'll sort of do because that's what sort of person I am and stuff like that. So that sort of, that sort of tapered off like that. But what, what really sort of, I guess, brought that to an end was like when I first met my wife, Kelsey. Um, 
you know, obviously met this absolutely amazing woman and I felt like we hit it off um, straight away. Like we met at a, a school a school party. She was in still in year 12 um, and I was like in my first or second year of the, in the Air Force um, and we sort of met at a party and we hit it off and, you know, I was thinking, you know, wow, this is a, an amazing woman that I really want to get to know and stuff. And, you know, he'd always said to me, you know, when you meet somebody like, you know, it's going to be a real experience and you're going to know like what, what thing, you know, what potential, what love is and what lust is and what, you know, all that sort of thing is, you know, when you meet somebody that you're really attracted to and when someone you want to be with. And I felt like I'd sort of hit all those markers, you know, with, with Kelts and everything, because, you know, I almost, I found myself wanting to spend like all my time around her and stuff like that and, and all that sort of things. So, um, yeah, that's where I sort of to, to taper off, but it was sort of a time when, he was sort of still in my life where he would make me have conversations with him during the week. Like he, you know, it was sort of thing that we had to talk to him weekly. Um, um, when I was away on my training, like he would write uh, letters to me about, you know, trying to, I guess, sort of just casual letters about how, you know, this is what your family's been up to. This is what's happening in Kempsey. Like we're all miss you and stuff and, and whatnot. But, um, it sort of all, all came to a head. Um, one night when he um we found out that that Kels had actually gotten into the university to go down to Aubrey to go to uni to become a podiatrist. Um so what um you know obviously we have those discussions about you know as a as a young couple that we're sort of just starting to get to know each other, like what do we do? Like you're about to go on long distance and I'll still at Wormtown and do we do we get the long distance thing and go and everything and we sort of like, well, you know, we feel like, you know, we're at a place that let's give it a go. Um, so we were, we, you know, we were in a long distance relationship for a little while. And, and again, I was still having those conversations with this man that was, he, I didn't, what he was trying to get out of it, but he, I still felt like I was under some sort of weird emotional sort of, uh, almost like I, I owe, I owed him this sort of the time, my time in some ways, like, so, um, but what sort of brought it to a head is that we were sort of having a discussion and, and sort of the topic of Kels come up and I said, you know, I've met this absolutely amazing person and stuff and, you know, I feel like it's something that I want to explore and um, I don't think it was too, I think it might have been maybe like probably six to eight months before that was sort of when it, the sort of the physical sort of abuse had ended. Um, but I guess it was still six to eight months of, you know, these conversations that we were having weekly, you know, he was still making me feel like there was something I owed, you know, back to, back to him in some, in some way or whatever. But the conversation sort of, yeah, it centered around Kels and, and, you know, we sort of talked about the fact that, you know, she was going to move, you know, she was in Aubrey and cause she had to move, you know, for her union stuff. And he'd sort of, he'd sort of made her a mark of like, oh, you know, She's young. She's down there at uni. She's going to parties and stuff. Like, you know, you you know, you you you're an idiot if you don't think that she's down there. You know, essentially sleeping around. You know, um, and yeah, look, I really got me back up about that. Like, I was sort of like, you know, not just the fact that I didn't feel it like as a point that you know I should never do that to whatever, but it was like, how dare you talk about her in that way? Like, you know, this is somebody that. You know, I feel like it was real super hypocritical um, of him to be saying, you know, trying to dissuade me from trying to 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 sort of incorporate this relationship into my life and stuff. 
And yeah, so sort of like so that, you know, don't talk, don't talk to her about, you know, don't talk about her like that. You know, it's not something that I'm comfortable listening to, and I just don't think that that's your place to be saying those things. And and so yeah, that it's sort of, and it sort of went from there. And then you know, the, the eventually the sort of the relationship, you know, the emotional sort of connections, you know, sort of started to sort of you know separate from there and everything. Um, you know, there's there's so much there's so much gratitude that I owe to Kels for the patience, for the kindness um, that she showed in those early times in our relationships because I was still having those discussions with him. There was events that I missed because he would want to talk to me and I felt like this emotional requirement to, to if he wanted to talk, I would talk. And it wouldn't just be like a five, ten-minute thing. Sometimes he would want to talk to me for like an hour, an hour and a half, and it wouldn't be – wouldn't be a conversation if you just want to talk at me for, you know, just about different things. Like you want me to you really want to have you say about different things about how I, my behavior and stuff. And when I look, it goes back to like when I told him that I was sexually active and I'd sort of, you know, lost my virginity and everything. And, you know, about six months before I met Kels and, and he just, um, his reaction to it was just one of just absolute entitlement. Like it was, I think he was um he was quite angry, quite animated. He had, you know, said to me that, oh, how you know, how dare you, you know, use your body like that and stuff. Because he he had sort of, I guess, tried to ingrain into me that uh sex was for marriage and stuff, and that's how it should be, that's how it should be treated, that's how it should be. So that's all the sort of conversations, that's all the sort of development that I received from him. So so when I sort of engaged with these um, relationships, I guess, about discovering myself and about having these connections at the time when I thought that, you know, it's time for me to start to explore what it was for me to be my own person. Um, you know, yeah, his, yeah, his reaction was just one of just absolute disdain, like entitlement that how dare I, you know, like I'm, I'm so embarrassed and stuff, like for so long, you know, like you haven't been doing this. Like if that's the way you want to live, then I don't want to be a part of that and stuff like this. And, it just, um, yeah, it just, it sort of really, really like went from there. And, you know, from having that conversation, we're talking about Kels to then having a conversation with Kels about, you know, I didn't really ever um, discuss with Kels until about 2012 the fact that there was, there was something to the behavior. Um, Kels said, she'd always said, she'd always said, you know, and her parents had always said, there's just something off, you know, about, Josh and Father Burns, you know, just something that does doesn't quite make sense. Um, and I'd sort of, I think, for so long, I sort of pushed it down. I never, I never thought of it the word abuse. I never thought of it that you know he was a a sexual predator or a pedophile and stuff. I'd, I'd never, th- I'd never thought that. I just thought it was a just a weird part of my life that I could just push behind, sweep under, you know, sweep under the rug and sort of just never think about again and. Um, yeah, it wasn't until about 2012 where she sort of, she sort of come out and said, Hey, did anything ever happen? You know, just very casually. And I was like, Oh, no, like, no, you know, I know what you're thinking, but no, it never happened like that. And it took me a couple of hours for that day because she should ask me in the morning and we were going on a day to the beach and everything. And it wasn't until the afternoon where I sort of, I don't know, I wasn't. You usually refer to light bulb, light bulb moments as, you know, good things and everything, but it was sort of something that f- it finally dawned on me in the afternoon to it almost like I allowed myself to to leave the guilt behind and actually say, 
you know what? Yes, something did happen. And that was the first time that I disclosed to anybody that anything had ever happened. And that was sort of, that was a, that was a big moment. Like obviously, you know, we were, Kelsey and I both really young. We just really didn't know what to do with the information. Like, um, you know, I had a discussion with her, her parents about, you know, potentially like what, what can I do from here? You know, like this is something that, you know, happened to me and, and, and sort of go from there. And yeah, so that's sort of what, what happened. And it's like I said, that was about 2012. And, um, you know, I was, uh, I was in the Air Force and I was posted to a unit, um, um, where I had the ability, I had access to um, sort of uh, internal psychology and stuff like that. So I utilised that and I was able to sort of, you know, use that time to really explore and, and that really had that initial conversation about, like, what does this mean? Like, what does it mean that I was sexually abused? Like, you know, and I was able to sort of discuss all these sort of different behaviours that had occurred and everything that, you know, it was like, oh, okay, like that all makes sense now. So, Yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was that was the the flaw on there. It's a lot. It's a lot for a child. It's a lot for anyone to go through. Mm. And I just like welled up with tears and got goosebumps sharing that moment that you share shared with your partner. I think it says so much of like the trust and companionship that you have as well with her family and herself to to finally kind of break that and be able to go and tell her the truth and for me as well like it it felt like a light bulb moment as well like it it's not something that you're constantly aware of it's like the shattering of the glass and you see things from a different perspective for the first time mm. and there's an acknowledgement is that what it felt like for you when you say like that light bulb moment oh absolutely absolutely that it was it was like almost like taking like this little like thing on in the day and Kelsey was like, the question was sort of that that thing over there, like, it, you know, is it, you know, something that we need to have a conversation about? And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. And then throughout the day it's sort of like me going, hmm, yeah, maybe we need to to have a chat about that. And that sort of, that, that transition, you know, I can even picture what the day looked like, you know, and even now thinking back on it, that transition from it was just – education it was just be his behavior you know to actually wait a minute like this was actually like potentially criminal behavior um was yeah definitely was just this moment of acknowledgement this moment of like you know uh maybe i wasn't as responsible as what i, I thought i was you know because I, I sort of i think at up that point i put a lot on myself about the fact that you know there was a two you know a, a two-way thing and then it was a lot for me to actually acknowledge and realize and have those kind of conversations to open up and to be aware of the fact that well hang on a minute you actually had like zero power you actually <laughs> there was actually no choice that you you know that, that you had partaken in any of this um, whether you think so or not, like that's all part of what have happened and that's all part of behaviour, that's all part of grooming. Um, so it was a lot. And that that sort of process, it was, you know, it was over a couple of years and everything. But, yeah, that 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 moment I just, you know, I, you know, said it in my vows and stuff and I always, I say it to her, you know, every now and again and stuff. Like I, I, I think she's had my life, you know. I think that if I wasn't able to open up and if I wasn't able to sort of have those discussions, you know, I could, you know, I there was some behaviour that I was starting to display, particularly 
like when I was living on base and I had before I met Kels and stuff that it wasn't great. It wasn't healthy. Um, you know, I was, I was putting myself in situations where I would, you know, use people and, you know, what I, what I thought was, you know, what I thought was like me showing affection or that I cared for somebody was actually quite uh, selfish in a lot of ways and stuff. And so when I look back on that, I have a huge amount of, you know, um, sort of regret about a lot of my behavior and everything. But uh, I acknowledge as well that, that there was a huge part to play in that, you know, there was a uh, an undercurrent of just, um, you know, I was I was exposed to abusive behavior for so long, you know, and I was taught like, you know, this is this is what love looks like this is what and that's it just simply wasn't the case so um i had to work on myself and i'm still working on myself for, for so so many years and you know i'm just yeah i'm just so you know i'm just so grateful for you know the time and the patience and stuff that kels has been able to display and you know i just yeah she's my rock so it's been she's just yeah. incredible she's a superhero <laughs> yeah. yeah um but i think it's all like it, it's a good reflection on yourself that the amount of growth and self-awareness and learning and healing and you know that's all because of you as well the fact that you've been able to work on these things and done all of this amazing stuff and changed your point of view um you know we have so many influences in our life and we can lean into some and we can lean away from some but I think like there's a huge credit to yourself for that work as well where you go holy shit like look look what I've done, look where I've come, look what I've overcome. And I think that's a really amazing thing to reflect on as well. Not to take anything away from amazing cows, um, but just to give you that thing as well, because it is, it's incredible what you've been able to do for yourself too. So thank you, yeah, Josh, for sharing that. I think I had one question though before we kind of wrap up as well, because as you were saying, he would call you all the time. I think as you were saying, like these examples of what he would say, that feels like what we modern day know as coercive control and this overwhelming, overbearing isolation. And um, what did I write down? This like constant communication and the boundary pushing. And I feel like there's something in that about the constant grooming too, using things like family. We love you. We miss you. It's, it's, I don't know. Do you feel like that was sowing a thread of guilt or don't tell anybody or, you know, trying to make that effort to, to show you something in that aspect to keep you from disclosing or finding things out? Yes. Yeah. It was very, you know, looking back on it, looking back and as I mentioned earlier, there was uh, letters that he wrote to me while I was in my basic training, you know, and he'd say stuff like, um, you know, went and had dinner with, with Nan and Pop and stuff and, you know, this is what your brothers are doing and he'd sort of really keep that link, you know, with the family and stuff, I think, to, to really hone in that, you know, um, there is a connection here that needs to be maintained, you know, there is a connection that needs to be maintained. And um, 100% sort of, you know, think that um, there was a big part, like he never came out and and said the words like, you know, don't tell anybody, you know, like what a lot of people sort of have to have to have to work through and stuff. He, what he'd said to me was he'd said stuff like, um, you know, he would go back to the mentorship and stuff. He'd like, you know, I hope you realize that this is what it is, you know, and, and other people may look at it and they might think it's something different that it's not, or, you know, there's things, there's times like where there would be 
stories, survivor stories come on the TV and everything. And he'd sort of sit there and, you know, tisk and shake his head and stuff. And he's like, oh, those people, you know, they're not a real reflection of what the church is and everything like this. And um, there was a real sort of, you know, um, yeah, that the, the other people don't understand. Like, and this is what, you know, our relationship or the, the, what was happening was that something that, that needed, I guess, to be involved in, to have full context and full understanding of. Um, he would quite often, like, use that communication to, again, reflect on, you know, that maintaining that connection back with the with the family situation and 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 that's a big i think that was a big part of it like the big part of how i felt like i i couldn't take that that step away and um again like i mentioned earlier like he would he would drive all the way to newcastle and sort of come pick me up and um <clears throat> you know he would say you know this is this is for this is for so you can maintain your relationship with your family and stuff and you know, but but little did I know, like on a Sunday and stuff, I go help with the lawns and things would still like it still he'd still abuse me and, and whatnot. So um the more I look back on it and the more like we're open in terms of, you know, in terms of survivor education and um you know, academic you know, different research into how this behavior is sort of developed over so many years and that it's just so apparent, like looking back on all the behavior that was involved and it it, it, it impacted on on moments. I think he knew at times that the times that were important that, you know, I would say that, you know, it's I'm having a really um, big family dinner with Kelsey tonight and stuff with her family or I'm going to meet, you know, sorry, I've just got a little bit um, thinking about, thinking about that amazing woman in the room next to me, um, where she'd set up this amazing dinner like that I didn't know about and she'd gone and got a cake and stuff and she'd gone and, you know, and he fucking ruined it. Like, he ruined it because he wanted to have this conversation and he just wanted to chat, you know, and I felt and I, the, the, the knowing the moment finding out afterwards that I had let Kels down just as... He like just he like hit me right here, and yeah. I was like, I never want her to like feel like that again. And that's when I knew. But taking that that step away um, was one of the like hardest of my life because, like I said, I I didn't fully understand what was this like. Fully didn't understand what was the stake. I fully didn't understand actually what had been happening for for the for the last nine nine years or so and 100 percent, i feel like there was a lot there was so much emotional blackmail when i look back on it that that was involved in the conversations in the communications in the writing like he would you know we would go and sit up in the headlands in port Macquarie and stuff and you know because he sort of retired to that presbytery after he left kempsey you know retired otherwise he needs to go needs to leave where he was because they you know they moved them around um and he was sort of, you know, he was sort of tried to again, you know, like mentorship. Just, oh, this is the type of person that you need to be, and this is the type of person that we expect out, you know, from, you know, this is what you need to be. This is what a man being a man, you know, means and stuff like that. And when I look back at it, the people like that is fucking a lot of the last people that I'll listen to in terms of what it means to be not just, a, but a decent human. You know, like there's there's evidence that you know when you look back on some of the documents that I've read and stuff, like he. He stole money from the church when he was younger. Like he would lie. He was a drunk. Like he was just not, you know, a, a a good, not just a good, wasn't a good priest. Like he was just not a good person. And 
So just, I just, I think the theme is so hypocritical and to get to the point where, you know, he was trying to give me life lessons was just mm. absolutely, oh, it's, it's laughable. I think back on it now and it just, it's absolutely, it's, you know, it's hilarious in the in almost to the point that it's it's just yeah inconceivable how delusional maybe he think he thought he was like knowing that the behavior he had shown in previous in the previous years in his previous postings to trying to help me be the best possible man that I could be you know and trying to give me all these books and it's like well if you read this one you might understand you know like but. Yeah, it was. It was. I really did feel like he he'd used uh, again, like that connection and that um, sort of development of sort of like what it was to be a family, what it was to have those sort of those grassroots and stuff back in where you sort of come up from, and always remembering where you come from. Um, yeah, he really did did use that, and he used it quite effectively um, until obviously, you know, the strength of the love that is that I have for Kelsey sort of was able to break all that. So, yeah. yeah. It's just like the word that comes to mind is like entitlement over like, Mm -hmm. like I feel like it's, and they've got words of different types of sex offenders as well. Like there's power reassurance rapists. They're usually like adult offenders, but that's something that comes to mind as well. Like the kind of person that would Mm -hmm. break into your apartment, sexually assault you and then say, you know, don't, you know, if you want to protect yourself from people like me, get a dog, get a better security system, move to a second floor apartment. Like people that would say stuff like that. It's that kind of like, look, I'm ideal. I'm telling you these things. I'm imparting this wisdom upon you and this entitlement that rules do not apply to them. And that, you know, spurring on from that thought, I go to just the nature of coercive control and, you know, the coercive control has been so evident within, uh, Biederman's chart of coercion, which is that whole prisoner of war mentality, how they've treated prisoners of war for so long. And, you know, when I think about him stopping you doing things that you want to do, to me, that's something that domestic abuse um, victims go through a lot as well, where it's a form of isolation. They're creating barriers between you, creating connections with other people. So if he comes and picks you up, then he's isolating you from connecting with community and stuff as well, but dressing it up as connection to family. And domestic mm-hmm. abusers do that all the time. Like, oh, I just don't I don't want you to go out dressed like that because X, Y, Z, and they dress up chivalry. And I just yeah. feel like, you know, he's he's just turned this coercion and controlling tactics, especially to use that language on the phone and to try specifically to stop you from having those things. It's just this, all of these tactics after tactic after tactic to try and maintain that control of you even from afar. And it's like you try something, it doesn't work, pivots, try something else, pivots. And that's like as well, I guess, the as you're speaking, that like, the the omnipotence that he's kind of showing and prevailing with, but also that overwhelming sense of like you get rewarded for something and then you don't get rewarded for something and you get in trouble for something else. And I think that falls mm-hmm. as well back onto say unto others and unto what is it? What's that saying? Say on whatever it is. But it's just like don't do as I say, but yeah. do as I do, kind of don't do it. Yeah. Anyway, it's yeah. more to just do say as I like say, not as I do. 
Yeah, and it's just yeah. like kind of entitlement and the rules do mm. not apply to this person. And I just, you know, I look back on that, what you're saying, and my my I just feel so empathetic for you at that age as well to have these feelings of guilt and shame when you've been victimized and manipulated and controlled for so long so long that it doesn't feel like or look like that in many ways and I think that's just Mm -hmm. it goes to show the level and the magnitude of this person's offending what a fuckwit oh yeah 100% Uh, I mean yeah he would um I wasn't I wasn't the most um you know, in in depth, child. I was pretty. What mattered to me were pr- it was pretty apparent. Like spending time with my family, friends, and like sport. I was just mad sport. And there were times when he would make sure that I wasn't able to go to the parties, like anything engaging with uh, other things on on weekends and, and whatnot. Um, you know, and taking away opportunities to go and, you know, I wanted to trial for young, you know, when I was younger and stuff, I wanted to trial for those representative sports teams and stuff like, but, oh no, I couldn't do that because that was on certain days that, you know, were set aside for, for those other different things. But, um, I just wanted to say one, when you talk about that sense of entitlement, I'll, I'll say one thing and I know we'll probably talk about this a little bit more, uh, at another venture, but, um, I ended up having a, a conversation with him uh, as part of the, the, police investigation um to to gather evidence and as i was sort of talking to him the the first sort of you know couple of minutes was sort of really sort of just i was just trying to engage him to the point where sort of understood where he would sort of you know engage with me and i sort of was a bit silent for a little while and he said he goes are you all right josh and i'm like yeah i'm good he goes he goes it's okay i'm not mad and i was like are you fucking for real, bro? And then I, yeah, after that, I was like, oh, all right, game on. Um, because that was just, uh, and, and when I think back on that, I was just like, that is just the, the utter, you know, where he, where his head was at in terms of, you know, um, that it's okay. Like I'm, I'm not mad. Like, you know, and almost like he had every right to but yeah. But anyway, that's, you know, going back and connecting those sort of that that you know, in terms of the sense of entitlement about in terms of the way that he expected me to behave, and then just like yeah, so I I, I like I just your face, like I don't know your listeners put your face when I said that just says it all. The absolute disdain and disgust that I get from people like um when I say that to them about his sense of delusion um is just. It's unmeasurable. So, <laughs> but it's also, I think, as well, like it's a tactic of control. He's trying to make you feel guilty. Mm. Like, I'm not mad, isn't just a sense of entitlement, but it's also like making somebody who's empathetic feel, oh, you know, should I, should I have made you? Like, I think that these are all well thought out, very well calculated tactics, as if he's not planned what he would do and say for most of his life if he was to ever get caught as well. Mm. So I think that's a really, like, I think he's choosing his words in a very specific way to try and get a leg of control and power again. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that makes you think that maybe what I said was offensive than going, oh, I'm not mad. Like, puts it straight back on you to kind of go, what, as well? Like, not only is it mm. disgusting, but I just feel like he sounds like an intelligent person and that these steps seem 
and these words seem very well chosen. Yeah, but I think a lot of them, a lot of the the, the perpetrators, you know, particularly institutional perpetrators, you know, these people have, um, they've got degrees, they've got master's degrees in philosophy, they're well educated. There's, you know, he had, he had quite uh, a lot of uh, enjoyment in telling me that he had the option, you know, he was accepted in, you know, medical school and stuff when he was, he had the option, you know, whether he was going to be join the priesthood or whether he was going to, you know, make this transition in the medical school and stuff like stuff like that. So he had, you know, I think that I hundred percent agree. Like these people are, are very intelligent. They're very knowledgeable about what they're doing. And um, it's sort of, it's quite disgusting when they get found out that they almost go into this sense of playing, playing dumb. And it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. And when they've never been held to account, that level of omnipotence and that bravado comes through. I mean, you know, if you've been confronted at once, more than once, multiple times, and you've never faced a consequence in your life, why would this time be any different? And I think that is also just a reflection on how fucked up the system is and how prevalent these offenders have been, can be, and will be in the future. Yep. And 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 you'll it's sad to say, but it'll happen again. You'll see it again and the same stories will come out. And you know, I feel like there's been a huge almost leap backwards since the Royal Commission in terms of the, the ability to these people to be um to be found and to be brought to justice because I think people are sort of almost sticking their heads back in the sand again. So yeah. Yeah. We've definitely got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, but I want to say thank you so much in sharing part one of your story. Um, as I said with with Jordan, who you mentioned as well, it's really important for me that these episodes we take our time with them. I don't, you know, the beauty of podcasting as well is that we don't have a limited five minute segment on TV broadcasting to go with. We we can speak the whole truth um, in your own words and go into discussions. And I think you know, having you back on for part two to go uh, through what the next steps were for you um, from kind of coming full circle with the first disclosure with your wonderful partner to taking the next step into, I guess, future acknowledgement and potential um, police and, as you mentioned, Royal Commission involvement. Yeah, I I definitely think that's a good way to go about it and um, I'm thoroughly looking forward to continuing this conversation. Thank you so much, Josh, and thank you so much for joining us today on Reclaim Me. Uh, We'll be back with Josh again for part two. Um, So we've not finished up yet. We'll have him back on again to to kind of wrap up the story and and continue to talk us through what happened. Um, But if you have a look in the show notes of this episode, there'll be links to um, Samson, which is something that We have spoken about earlier, Jared Grice has spoken about that as well. So if you are a male survivor, please go and have a look at the link, Samson. Um, It's a really wonderful resource for so many people. And as always, all of the other resources will be available via the show notes as well. But Josh, thank you so much for joining me for part one. Thanks, Maddie. I've loved it. Loved having a conversation with you. Hi, fam. It's just me popping in to wrap up part two. Thank you so much for listening to both parts with Josh Burns. It's been such an incredible journey having Josh on and to speak to him so candidly and in so much detail. And for that reason, we will absolutely be having Josh back in the coming weeks to continue telling his story as well. So thank you for coming along this journey and listening and know that there will be additional episodes coming soon.
Now, just as a reminder for you all, now go into the show notes for this episode and make sure that you follow the link to sign the petition to end character references in child sexual abuse cases. So if you are an ACT resident only, you can you are able to do that. If you're not, sadly, you can't. But if you know somebody who lives in the ACT, so, or you know somebody who knows somebody who lives in the ACT, then you can absolutely contribute by sending this to them as well. Thank you. Shout out again to Harry and Jared that are doing all of that amazing work and to Josh as well for supporting that whole campaign in the ACT as well. Also, don't forget, we have the Patreon. Join the paints, join the cheer squad, um, and, and help to support the continuation of Reclaim Me as it stands. Thank you all so much. Big love. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you do need help or support, please reach out to those crisis services or suggested resources in the show notes for this episode. Have a look after yourself and make sure that you're doing and taking the time that you need to process the information or to process anything that may have come up that was triggering for you. Lastly, I do have one ask. Can you please take the time to rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any platform that you listen to Reclaim Me on? This helps tremendously with me reaching additional people and making sure that we get the word out there that there is no shame or stigma that should be associated with being a victim of these crimes. If you could also share this podcast with somebody you may know, as you may not be a survivor yourself, but you sure as hell know one. Thank you again. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.